Welcome to the next episode of Weathering the Market. I'm meteorologist Kaylee Carey. And I'm meteorologist Dion DeLeo. And I'm head of marketing, Emily Creevy. Woohoo! Go Emily! Emily just got back from New York and has a lot of interesting things to tell us about the Federal Hall. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. do that later though. We're going to get to what this is really about. Now you thought this was going to be about weather. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! You're getting a history lesson. No, but actually what we are going to be talking about today is kind of a bunch of different things. We're going to talk about like the current ENSO outlook and why it's so hard to predict because we are currently dealing with that spring forecast barrier. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but where we are, it is hot. It is. Yeah. It's already getting it's already getting pretty warm outside, which is great if you love pool season or floating the river, which I is a big thing. I love both of those. Yeah, it's 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 good news for us down here. However, it's also because we're not farmers. That's why that's why that's why we like it. We like it because we're not farmers. If you're a farmer, though, it could be bad news. It could be very bad news. All the right. fact that things are getting hot early. Yes. That is true. <laughs> she looks so confused yes. for a second. Like, I was trying to tie that in. Yeah. Yes. No, because right now, actually, warmer temperatures in the Midwest are great because it allows, you know, germination to take place and whatnot. We do have another little cold snap coming. But I think what we're talking about here is this dome of warm air that we're seeing continue to build in the southwest. And um, this wouldn't be so problematic, but what else is happening out west? Well, right drought. now it's been drought, like, yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So we're seeing... We're seeing, we're seeing a bit of drought taking place right now across the western portions of the states, especially across the southwest and the northern plains. Uh, this, of course, is because of a lack of a monsoon that we did or, well, I just did not see last year. The southwest completely missed out on the much-needed monsoon that, they, that usually takes place between the months of uh, about around, what, late April? June to September. June to September. Same thing. Somewhere in there. Yes. It usually starts picking up around this time, and then by, it's in full effect between June and September. So. And so when that happened, basically just left behind a lot of dry ground, and dry ground gets a lot warmer than, you know, when the soil moisture is adequate across the region. So we had that leading into this. We have the drought currently, and right now, though, we've been lucky. We have this tropical plume of moisture that's been coming up from Mexico, okay? Have that's, you noticed that? That's right. It's, it's been, it's been it, it seems more, I guess, seasonal for this part of Texas, or even for the South in general. I mean... Uh, looking at the, you know, one to two week outlooks for, for, for much of the South even, you know, uh, we're seeing very strong moisture present across much of the South and Southeast, including like the Mississippi Delta, where they're expecting several inches of rainfall over the next couple of weeks, which is very beneficial for that area. And of course, parts of the Southwest as well. Um, excuse me, Southeast. Excuse me, Southeast. Yes, well, but also this plume of moisture is basically injecting energy into the upper level systems, and that's allowing for the potential for rainfall across the Midwest as well. Although that they could still, you know, use more over the next couple of weeks, there's still a chance of precipitation over the next couple of weeks or so, which has been very beneficial. And even though we're seeing it primarily concentrated in the southern and eastern portion of the Corn Belt, some areas that could use more, obviously North Dakota. North Dakota, We're already right. talking about that the almost, I feel like, throughout the entire season. But th what we're seeing with this tropical air making its way in, it's injecting instability, which is great. We need the rain. But around May 7th, we're starting to see a significant pattern shift. Exactly. So with this pattern shift, uh, we're looking at a, a this, well, this heat dome, as you mentioned, beginning to take place and begin to develop. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it starts off relatively small and begins to expand. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, if you're not a farmer and you enjoy the warmer weather, this could be great news. However, if you are a farmer or in the ag industry, this could spell big problems later on. 
Yes, because basically what we're looking at as meteorologists is that the heat source has kind of already been tapped into. When we're looking at 850 millibar temps, well, what the heck does that mean? It's just upper level temperatures coming down to surface level. We're looking at temperatures already getting close to triple digits. So if this heat, if we're already able to tap into this now, that implies that this summer, that heat source is already activated and we're going to see things warm up. But going back to what we were looking at last month, we always kind of knew that the beginning of summer is going to be warm. And when you still look at those long range model impacts, I feel like I'm still seeing end of July, August, September, we're starting to see those rain chances pick back up. Yeah, that's correct. So as, as we can kind of tie this into, you know, something we always talk about, something one of our most favorite topics, actually, I think what we have here, the INSO. So we've been... <laughs> Wait, what is it? Yeah. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we, we have gone through a very strong lending phase this winter, which has kept things fairly dry across the West. Um, currently, right now, we're sitting at about a week Nina for much of our area, which is prevalent. We're seeing all the signs of that. Everything's great. Here's what's confusing, though. You know, we were predicting, or the uh, Climate Prediction Center was predicting more of a neutral phase to take place beginning this month and over the next few months where we see things kind of transition closer to, much closer to neutral. But beyond that, it's a bit of a toss-up. Um, some of the models are kind of taking us into a, a weak El Nino, which would be very beneficial for those dry areas. However, Many of the many of the models that we're looking at are really kind of keeping things neutral until about late in the summer, and then we're seeing a dip back down until La Nina again. However, but if we keep things more neutral, we could potentially see some of that rainfall pick back up in, in areas that really need it, including yes. including the desert southwest. Exactly. And but let's talk about the why is Enzo so hard to predict right now? Why is everything so wishy washy when it comes to the forecast, the spring forecast barrier? Yeah. Okay. So statistically. In the month of April, there is the models only accurately predicted 33% of Enzo variability, which is great, which is not good, okay? Yeah. Compared to October, when things, you know, are pretty set up, where it's 90% of the fluctuations are to be predicted. That's a big difference. That That's is. Huge. That's huge. And why is there lower skill? It's because the transitional time for, it's the transitional time for Enzo. Signals are low and noise is high. So everything is basically, we're kind of shifting through this phase. Water temperatures are starting to change. So the models are having a hard time. And like, I guess you could say the proof in this is that, you know, traditionally dynamical models and statistical models, they're pretty, you know, they're both pretty accurate and they kind of coincide. One's not always better than the other, but during this time, the spring forecast barrier, dynam dynamical models perform better than st statistical during spring and during the other seasons they are equal. And do y'all know the difference between dynamical and statistical? Uh, probably not as much as I should know. No, that, no, no. That's okay. No. <laughs> I definitely don't. No, that's good. That's why we can go into it. So the dynamical models, they're basically putting in real-time data, like what's happening right now, current ocean temperatures, where statistical data is basically pulling stats. Historical stats. Yes. Yeah. So it's basically, you can't really compare a year to a year because there's so many different variables, and the dynamical models are picking up on that. So that's why it is so hard to really predict. So the lack of monsoon last season is affecting us now, leaning into drought across the West. And that's what we're seeing. Long-range models currently predicting actually a robust monsoon season starting to pick up in June. Will that come to fruition? You know, who knows? Because yeah. we're dealing with that barrier. But all in all, basically what we're looking at is this heat source, the dryness out West, it is kind of spelling out trouble as we head deeper into summer. So hopefully those models pull through. In June, we do start to see that relief. But I think second half of May, 
early June could be a little problematic. So we'll keep right. our eyes peeled. Very much, yeah. All right. Anything else? Well, I guess we can talk about the New York stuff since <laughs> we gave a, a little taste of that earlier. <laughs> if you guys are interested, stick around. If you're not, just leave, I guess. Um, so I went to New York this weekend. It was super duper fun. And I was telling Kaylee and Dion that I was walking around at the New York Stock Exchange. And, of course, right across from the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street is Federal Hall. For those of you who don't know, Federal Hall is the building that George Washington was sworn in as president and the Bill of Rights was created. But the Federal Hall that's standing there now is not actually the original Federal Hall that was there. Uh, the original one was destroyed in 1812, so they built it up again after that. Actually, on 9-11, it cracked in half. Why in half, may you ask? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So, um, Half of the building is actually built on a sandy landfill, and the other half is built on bedrock, which is what most of Manhattan is on, but it's just this one portion of landfill, I guess. George Washington's Bible that he uh, swore, well, used to swear in is actually held there, too, and they did keep the original slab of marble or something that he was standing on when that happened. Little things like that, cool stuff. It used to hold more than 200 million dollars. I know it had about 6,100 tons of silver and gold for a little bit, but that was moved to the Federal Reserve just a few blocks down. Could you imagine just walking around not knowing that thousands of tons of gold bars are being moved? Yeah, uh, wow, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. And then the Federal Reserve that's there now, it had to be built on solid bedrock because all of that gold weighs so much and it actually would have sank if it had been built on the sandy area. Interesting stuff. That's all I had to say. Thanks for tuning in <laughs> to this week's Weathering the Market. We'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Weathering the Market. We love sharing all this information with you guys. And if you didn't already know, we work for a company called Minuteman Weather, which provides a full range of energy and agricultural weather services. If you would like to sign up for a free trial or request more information, check us out at MinutemanWeather.com. We'll be back next Wednesday. Thanks.